Welcome to the Muscles and Veggies podcast, where you get nutrition, health, fitness, all perfectly packaged together in a bite-sized podcast to help educate and motivate you to stay on your fitness journey. Today, before I even get started, I want to first give a medical disclaimer that I'm not a doctor. I'm not telling anyone to discontinue any medications uh, or change any treatment protocols given to you by your medical doctor. Uh, just have to get that out there first and foremost. But I want to answer a question from one of our listeners, Lydia. Shout out to Lydia. Uh, she has this question. Why do so many people take antacids and why do so many people struggle with heartburn? So why do people take so many antacids? I found some quick stats. Five to eight percent of the U.S. public uses antacids on a daily basis. That's roughly, you know, some numbers said 10%. I went more conservative, said five to 8%. 50% of US adults use antacids twice a month. Um, if there's another study that came out of Cedars-Sinai that said 20% of US Americans have GERD, that's 60 million people that say they struggle with gastrointestinal reflux. So why is stomach acid so important? And why do we want to make sure that we're not suppressing our stomach acid with medications and antacid tablets? Great question, Lydia. Uh, let's dive into this a little bit. First, why do we need stomach acid? Well, stomach acid uh, is actually what, how we digest our proteins. So we eat proteins, whether it's animal-based or plant-based, and that goes down into our stomach and we have to break proteins into amino acids. Amino acids are literally the building blocks of life. Our cells cannot live without these certain amino acids. So for instance, amino acids like L-tryptophan is what we make our serotonin out of. Uh, amino acids like L-tyrosine is what we make our thyroid hormone and also our dopamine out of. I mean, that's actually L-phenylalanine, but uh, L-carnosine, L-carnitine, all these amino acids that we have to have are broken down by stomach acid in the stomach, not to mention vitamin B12, folate, vitamin C, iron, magnesium, calcium, and zinc, and even dietary vitamin D are all broken down in the stomach by stomach acid. So what you might be thinking you know, we're basically malnourished if we don't have adequate breakdown of all these key nutrients by our stomach acid production. But you may be thinking, well, wait a second, I have high stomach acid. That's why I take antacids, right? Actually, it's been more common to find that high stomach acid is extremely rare. And most people who st suffer from GERD actually have low stomach acid. But why is that? Why is that the case? Well, the reason is simple because the process works like this. We take in food, it goes down into the stomach. We have this mucosal layer that protects our stomach. You know why? Because our stomach lining is made of protein. And if we didn't have that mucosal layer as a buffer, guess what that stomach acid would do? Yep, it would digest itself. It would digest the stomach. So it has to have this mucosal layer around the stomach so that stomach acid can hang out there and do its job. Now, when food hits the gullet and you know, it sits down there, 
that stomach acid is doing its work. It's breaking it down. It has to be a really low pH to break down that food. This, the, also, the process that happens is based on the, uh, the acidity or the pH level of the stomach, that closes or opens the esophageal sphincter. So there's a sphincter in the esophagus that doesn't allow things to come back up into our mouth. So people who struggle with, um, you know, reflux coming up past into the throat, into the mouth, really, really gross, I know. But that would be a problem with the esophageal sphincter, and that also can be associated with GERD. Low stomach acid does not send the signal acidic enough to close the esophageal sphincter. So this is where we run into problems, and people think they have too much stomach acid production, but really, they're low stomach acid, okay? You don't believe me? Do a simple Google search for yourself, and you will see exactly what I'm talking about, that more people struggle with low stomach acid than they do high stomach acid. So now, what do we do? We take some Zantac or Prilosec or, you know, maybe some calcium bicarbonate tablets or whatever it is, um, and we're lowering our acidity level even more than we had in the first place. So now, guess what? You're not struggling with, um, you know, GERD, but you don't have enough stomach acid to properly break down these key amino acids and these other vitamins. So you can see why this can be really detrimental and we can actually lead to malnourishment and different health problems because we're not getting the key nutrients that we need. And this is especially unfortunate for people who are eating a really expensive organic, you know, non-processed diet because it doesn't matter how good you eat, if you don't have adequate stomach acid, you are wasting all that food. And guess what? This is also somewhat where autoimmunity comes from because if we're not breaking down our food correctly, then that food goes through the GI tract and it actually is is causing leaky gut or intestinal permeability. Intestinal permeability means that uh, food particles are entering directly through the GI tract into our bloodstream. That's how we take in nutrients. But if they're not broken down all the way, that raises the immune system. And then the immune system gets very trigger happy over time, being elevated all the time in chronic inflammation. So now the immune system is firing at your thyroid, Hashimoto's disease, maybe your joints, rheumatoid arthritis, maybe your colon, this is colitis or Crohn's. This is how these autoimmune diseases develop, and it could all be traced back, not always, but almost always could be traced back to improper digestion, which could also be tra traced back to low stomach acid. So this is just one example of how these things happen. However, what, what, are, you know, what causes stomach acid to be low in the first place? So that's a good question to ask ourselves because how do we avoid this if we don't already have it, but also how do we optimize it if we are struggling with low stomach acid or maybe already on some antacid medications? Which, by the way, just a side note, if you read the fine print of Zantac or Prilosec or any of these like non, they're, they're non-over-the-counter, they're prescription medications given to you by your doctor, um, the literature clearly says with these medications they should never be used over a period of six to eight weeks longer. So in other words, they should be used in acute situation, not for long-term. I know people who have been on them for decades. Yes, decades. So uh, it works out really great for the companies that sell these pharmaceutical drugs, but 
it's not working out very great for the people who have been on them. And I've, I've yet to see someone who's been on them for years at a time that is a picture of health. So uh, if you have someone around you like that, take a look and maybe see for yourself. So what causes low stomach acid? Number one, stress. We live in a very modern day stressful environment. You could argue that it's the most stressful time humans have ever lived in. Um, and that's even including like, you know, barbaric warfare and things like that. And here's the reason why, because it's not acute stress, like, you know, a fight or a battle or something here and there. It's chronic stress. It's day in and day out, emails, phone calls, text messages, business, kids, relationships. I mean, there's just so much level of intricacy involved in that. And then you think of the world scene, politics, religion, uh, pandemics, you know, you could just literally just stack the deck, right? So stress is number one. Stress depletes stomach acid production. How so? Because the nervous system regulates whether we're in sympathetic, dominant fight or flight, ready to go, right? We want to put all of our blood and all of our nutrients into like going and fighting and performing, right? And this is exactly why as a kid, your mom likely told you don't swim if you just ate for how long? <laughs> 20 to 30 minutes. Why? Because you may cramp because blood is trying to go to your digestive system, but at the same time you're swimming and this can cause cramps because you're not getting the blood to your muscles that you're using for swimming. Um, now, the flip side of that is we get the best digestion when, when we are in parasympathetic nervous system activity or rest and digest, you might have heard before. Rest and digest, this is where we produce the adequate level of digestive fire, so to speak, or digestive juices and pancreatic enzyme, bile, and stomach acid to be specific, that we will break down our nutrients, we will digest our food, and we will absorb everything from them to get all the nourishment we need to thrive and survive. So that's how stress plays a role, and that's why it's my number one, because if you are chronically stressed, you're always in fight or flight, you're eating on the go, you're not taking enough time to slow down, which we're going to talk about here in a second, then you will be lacking digestive fire, and that can cause low stomach acid, that can cause acid reflux or GERD. Number two, antacids. <laughs> this should be a no-brainer. If you take antacids, it's causing low stomach acid production. Uh, so we're just going to leave it at that. Um, use antacids in an acute situation, but not for a long-term situation. If you're on these antacid medications, talk to your doctor, ask for different options. Uh, I'm not telling you to stop any medication whatsoever. I'm just saying you might want to think about logically why you need stomach acid and why your body produces it. And do you really have high stomach acid or do you have low stomach acid? Maybe something to figure out for yourself. Number three, overly acidic blood system. Overly acidic body is what I'm saying here. Um, if your body is overly acidic, your blood is too acidic, then uh, it has to maintain a certain pH to be at a, 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 a simple balance, right? So our blood can never be, you know, it's in this 7.1 uh, 7 to 7.8 um, alkalinity or pH in the body, right? 
any higher and it will pull calcium out of your bones and put that calcium into the bloodstream. Why? Because calcium is very alkaline and so it brings the pH back down into range. Any lower and the body, which is really hard to you know, alkalize your body underneath seven, but if you did so, your body would make adjustments to pull that back up into that sweet spot of range. So overly acidic blood system or overly acidic body, how does this happen? Simply enough, uh, it can be from chronic inflammation, from bacteria, viruses, par parasites, pathogens, you know, stress, any of the following. But the most common is, is you're just eating a, a really acidic diet, which is heavily processed foods, you know, packaged, lots of sugar, things that cause inflammation cause acidity. So you can just look at it that way. Um, the common culprits, number one, sugar, uh, number two, grains, number three, uh, inflammatory dairy compounds, number four, alcohol, you know, number five, processed seed oils and bad oils like vegetable oil, soybean oil, all the things we talk about on this podcast. So I don't need to go too far into that, but there's one other thing I wanted to mention. I notice when, um, it's in particular, I notice when I eat too much nightshades or peppers, potatoes, white potatoes, peppers, eggplant, um, and what's the other one? Tomatoes. Tomatoes is very acidic. So if you eat lots of like salsa, peppers, spicy food, things like that, it's very acidic. And people will notice, hey, I get heartburn after I eat these foods. Why? Not just because it's spicy, because it's acidic. And you're raising the body's acidity level. So um, we can do steps to minimize that by eating a more alkaline diet. Well, what's a really alkaline uh, way of eating? Lots of fruits and vegetables. Fruits and vegetables are, are very alkaline unless you're eating things like citrus fruits, which have a little bit of acidity to them. Uh, but even that is hard to judge because like a lime is a more alkaline food, but a lemon is a more acidic food. So apple cider vinegar is a more alkaline food, even though it's highly acidic in its uh, acute state. So there's minutia to kind of weed through on that as well. But just know this, that if you're eating a lot of processed food and you're eating a lot of you know, alcohol, sugar, dairy, wheat, um, and then on top of that, nightshades, so like peppers, tomatoes, you know, things like that, it can be a recipe for high acidity in the blood, which can also cause acid reflux. And finally, number four, we just mentioned this, uh, bacterial pathogens. This could be parasites, bacteria, fungus, mold, yeast, you know, any of the following. They're all kind of similar other than the bacteria, fungus, and parasites are all three different categories. So these overgrowths in the GI tract can happen during a low acid state. So let's paint a picture for you here real quick is let's say you had a really stressful traumatic event. You're in fight or flight mode for like two weeks. Your appetite's like not very good, right? Um, because when we're running off cortisol and adrenaline, we normally don't have a very good appetite. Well, during that time, your stomach acid production is really low, but you're forcing yourself to eat because you know you should eat, right? Well, this can happen, like a bacterial overgrowth can happen uh, because let's say you're feeding your body, but you don't have the adequate stomach acid production, then bacteria from your uh, large intestine will start migrating up the small intestine and there's not enough acidity to keep it down at bay. Does that make sense? So in other words, the stomach acid that we produce in our stomach, when it goes through the di digestive tract, 
that acidity keeps the bacteria from overgrowing. And this is why we hear of SIBO, which your MD will test you for with a breath test, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Bacteria from the large intestine migrates to the small intestine, and this causes a lot of issues. And it can actually suppress our stomach acid production even whenever the stress is over and we're back in rest and digest. So I know this is like, <laughs> this is complicated. I mean, it's really, this is really complicated stuff, but uh, I'm just, this is how we look at things realistically and logically. We have to look at body systems and why these things are important that we know how they function. So natural treatments, what can we do? We got about three and a half minutes here. I'm gonna run over some natural treatments. Number one, decrease stress. Slow down. Take a breath. Be mindful before you eat. Don't eat on the go. Uh, don't eat in a rush. Don't answer emails, text messages, calls while you're eating. Take a second and just be with yourself, your company, and your food. This is why every culture uh, has some sort of ritual before they eat, whether it's um, in Christianity, a prayer, uh, whether it's uh, in the Italian culture, you think about they had a pregame warm-up of dark leafy greens and vinegar salads, and that was to stimulate digestive fire. But every culture has some sort of pregame thankfulness that they sit down at the table and they go through these processes where they're becoming mindful and they're stopping the day's activities to sit down and consume this meal. So chew more. This is a huge one because we eat so fast, especially in the U.S. culture. We need to chew our food more. Take a couple breaths before you sit down to eat. Uh, be conscious of your breath when you're driving. This is huge. Like when I'm driving home, I will automatically look at something and think I need to breathe. Just breathe. So I'll take four or five big deep breaths and find myself yawning, which is a good sign that my parasympathetic system is being activated. And that's through the vagus nerve, by the way, a nerve that runs next to your GI tract all the way up into your brain. Uh, this is why they call the gut the second brain. There's a great awake article uh, on jw.org for that. So number two, besides stress, what can we do? Apple cider vinegar, lemon juice, ginger. Before your meal, have a little hot water with lemon juice. Have a little cap full of apple cider vinegar. Uh, make a ginger tea. These things stimulate stomach acid production and they are great for a pregame warmup. Uh, number three, decrease acidic foods. We talked about that. Number four, you can take HCL with pepsin. And these things, uh, this is HCL's hydrochloric acid. That's what our stomach acid actually is. So you can take hydrochloric acid and you can stimulate stomach acid production through that way. So thorn.com has an amazing hydrochloric acid supplement. It's called HCL with pepsin. Um, and hydrochloric acid you can get off thorn.com. If you would like the discount, as I say on every podcast, email me at muscles and veggies at 
gmail or go to musclesandveggies.com and contact me through there but either way just send me your email and say i want to join the client invite list that will give you 25 percent off the entire thorn.com store you can take hydrochloric acid with your meals and hydrochloric acid or hcl uh, it will act as more stomach acid until you build back up your normal amount of stomach acid. So this is especially important for people who are struggling with bacterial overgrowth or fungal overgrowth or anything like that. Because in the meantime, they need stomach acid so that they'll digest their food. But they also, it will help push that bacteria back down where it's supposed to be in the large intestine and out of the small intestine. And number five, that leads me to get tested for gut dysbiosis. So there's an organic acid test you can run through me. You can do a stool test through me. You can use your uh, local naturopathic doctor or a functional medicine practitioner, uh, anybody you want, but you can, you can just run some type of gut dysbiosis test. So I'm, I'm firmly of the believer of if you do these first four things, so you know, you've tried decreasing your stress, you're trying the apple cider vinegar with lemon juice, and you're also trying to alkaline your foods, the next step, if none of those three things are working, is to try the HCL with pepsin. And if you notice you get relief from that, that's a pretty good indication that you have a severe stomach acid deficiency. And then you can do the right thing from there and get tested to see if you have some sort of overgrowth or gut dysbiosis along those lines. Look, if you like what you're hearing on this podcast, share it with someone. Shoot it to a friend and say, hey, listen to this guy. He, uh, he seems to teach me a thing or two. Either way, do me a favor and like me on Instagram, like me on Facebook, and that way we can get more of this message out to people for real natural health, but also pure fitness, science-based uh, fitness advice. So this is Zach with MusclesAndVeggies.com. Tune in again. Hope you have a wonderful day.